Welcome to Down with the Dig. I'm Shella. And I'm Matt. This is a podcast presented by the Ohio Laborers Union to keep you connected to your labor family. This is Down with the Dig. You know, Shella, as the pension administrator, I see a lot of people retiring each year from the laborers. And so one of the most important things that I've heard over the past several years is how are we going to replace those people? Matt, that definitely is a problem, and today's guest will give us some answers to that problem and hopefully help us to fill that void of those retiring workers. So today on Down with the Dig, we welcome Dorsey Hager, the Executive Secretary Treasurer of the Columbus Building Trades. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to be the uh, Executive Secretary Treasurer of the Columbus Building Trades? So basically, um, after my time in college, I... uh, I applied and got into the Insulators Local Union, uh, became an apprentice member in 1993, graduated from the apprenticeship, uh, went to work uh, in the field in the local union uh, doing mechanical insulation, the insulators. In 2003, I ran and was elected uh, business manager. I did that for 10 years. And then in 2013, some of the mechanical trades here that composite the Columbus Building Trades came to me and said, you know, we need a new leader here at Columbus Building Trades, somebody younger, a little more progressive, uh, wants to be more outgoing, do some marketing, stuff like that. So they approached me about running. I did, and uh, I was elected, and I've been in the position for the last seven years. Well, by my math, you change jobs every 10 years, so it seems like in about two years you're going to be up for a new position, right? <laughs> yeah, that's an election year, so maybe, maybe, maybe not. Don't say that. <laughs> so, Dorsey, we're here to talk about the Columbus Building Futures Program, and I know that's a partnership um, with Franklin County, the Columbus Building Trades Council, and the Columbus Urban League. What brought this group together to start Building Futures, and how long has it been around? So basically about four years ago, it was actually uh, right around October or November uh, of 17, um, myself and a couple of our training directors got together and discussed the idea of coming up with a pre-apprenticeship program that worked with people in the community that, one, didn't know anything about Building Trades programs, Uh, and two had never been exposed. So we kind of sat down, put pen to paper, came up with a a basic kind of like a cover sheet along with some curriculum, a little bit of budgeting and stuff, very little bit of budgeting. This was more like at a 10,000 square foot level. We thought that the way for it to be successful, especially as we reached out into Columbus and Franklin County and some of our areas of the city uh, that are underserved, Um, and are economically disadvantaged, we thought that it would be good to have a good community partner with us uh, to help provide wraparound services to remove any barriers uh, to employment so we can help people get into these apprenticeship programs. Uh, We then took all this information. One of the first people I thought about was uh, Marilyn Brown, Franklin County Commissioner. Uh, Of course, all three county commissioners here in Columbus, Franklin County, very progressive, very pro-labor, John O'Grady, Kevin Boyce, Marilyn Brown, went down and talked to Marilyn Brown one morning, had a meeting with her, discussed the idea of the program, uh, taking the opportunity to get people to work. Later that day, I got a phone call and uh, Commissioner Brown said, hey, this idea was great. Everybody loves it. 
And um, we started doing it and started immediately training uh, kids, doing barrier removal, getting them. And, you know, when I say kids, it could be somebody as young as 18 or we've had graduates as old as 55 and started getting them into careers and, and apprenticeship programs here in the building trades and getting them out on job sites and earning and learning and making a good wage along with uh, health insurance, dental, vision, pension and annuity benefits so they can provide for their families themselves and then, uh, you know, have that have that direct path to the middle class. You said you started with a, you know, a scant budget, if, if that, but, you know, obviously you can't do all these programs for, for nothing. There's got to be some funding behind it somehow. So how, how are you funded? The, the funding comes directly from the county every year. They review our budget proposals. They look at it. They, they have a discussion on what we're doing good, what we're doing bad, what we need, what we don't need. And, um, you know, it's four years now. So we have some lessons learned. We have some things that we're working for. Uh, we, uh, we have some things that we've improved. We've had some things that maybe we don't improve because, you know, you're dealing with, uh, the human element here and human nature, and you're going to have, you know, you're going to have incredible highs and you're going to have, unfortunately, some not so good lows too. So you're going to have victories and you're going to have losses, but I think we're doing a pretty good job. I think we work well with the County. I think we work well with our community partner, the Columbus Urban League. We also have a lot of buy-in from people here in Columbus and central Ohio, uh, like president Nana Watson from the NAACP. Uh, Larry Price from the Black Ministerial Alliance and um, and others. And it's and, and of course, our members, our agents, our delegates, our organizers, our representatives, our training directors are incredibly bought in as well. So that's what makes the program a success. A lot of the people that you're bringing into the program may not even have an introduction to construction. So how do you go about recruiting those into a world that they're really not all that familiar with? So I think a lot of it has wrapped around not only building futures, but our marketing campaign as a whole, our social media, our website uh, that the Columbus Building Trades has, which is columbusconstruction.org. And then you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Build Central OH. That's Build Central OH. I think a lot of it is on there with testimonials, videos, things like that. Um, that help educate people on what we actually do. We also pre-COVID, and as we start to come out of COVID, we're going to continue to do it. We also do outreach events at Fort Hayes High School here in Columbus, uh, the Ohio State Fair. We're going to look at the Franklin County Fair, too, where we actually get uh, young people and kids and adults coming in. They get to get their hands in some concrete. They get to maybe uh, test drive a little bit of uh, machinery. They get to do a virtual welder, a virtual painting machine. So that way they're aware of all of it. I know that when you talk about like electricians or plumbers, those are that name's kind of self-explanatory. But when you talk about a union like ours, which is the laborers, you know, it's kind of hard to explain to people sometimes because that name you know, it isn't laborers doesn't really give you a specific, you know, type of work that you'll be doing. But I did notice when I was looking at the website, the driving futures, that they had a couple of testimonials from Fort Labor's Fort Local 423 members. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, the first cohort or two, everybody wanted to be an electrician or a plumber or a carpenter. Now we have a lot of young people that come in and they want to be laborers. Um, I think a lot of it's word of mouth. I think a lot of it is because um, the, the general trade labor appeals to a lot of young people. And then the other thing I think, too, is I think that, um, you know, people in Columbus and Central Ohio are driving around and they're seeing a ton of this heavy highway work. And I think that they see a lot of laborers working on this heavy highway and they they know that there's a lot of work here in heavy highway to be done. So, yeah, we have a ton of people now that come in that are incredibly interested in the laborers, which is really, really cool. The laborers, I know 
don't have a pre-apprenticeship program. I know some of the other trades do, but how does this program really fit into uh, something like the laborers that does have an established apprenticeship program? Um, how do you kind of fit that into their mold? So with a local union like the laborers who maybe don't have a pre-apprenticeship uh, program or a pre-apprenticeship status, you know, that person comes out of this building futures, they're able to be placed and walked right in to the laborers union or a union that they, they fill out for. And they're able to get right in um, through, uh, you know, go to the, go and get in to the registered apprenticeship program, become a registered apprentice and be placed right out, you know, as a first year apprentice and go ahead and get started. So it gives them all the skills and tools needed to where if they didn't go through building futures and maybe they just applied on their own, they, they wouldn't be quite, as promising as an applicant, if that makes sense. Now, the program, it's it's kind of divided into sections, right? Like the, the first three weeks or so, you teach soft skills, which are math, reading, financial literacy, those type of things. Absolutely, yeah. So what we want to do is we want to get everybody's math up to par. Like I said, maybe not everybody will be able to do college uh, trigonometry. We want to get everybody to where they can add, subtract, multiply, and divide fractions. We want to get everybody to where they can read a tape measure. You know, I, I joke about this all the time, but, uh, you know, I live with a college graduate and we do a lot of uh, pro, uh, projects around my house. And she tells me every day I'm one of the greatest apprentices she ever had. <laughs> but I've got one of those but, too. <laughs> yeah, but the but the tape measure baffles her sometimes, and 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 I get it. Everybody has different skills, but it's amazing how you know some people just really and and we we work through that. And unfortunately, I think that goes back, which this is a conversation for another podcast. I think it goes back to our education system where we're not teaching kids the basics on how to read a tape measure, how to do some of the stuff with the fractions. So we cover all that. We get everybody up to speed. We do financial literacy because you know. Obviously, we're taking members of the underserved community. Some have never even, you know, made above minimum wage. Then we're putting them on a job site. You know, we had a graduate from our first class, a laborer, actually. Um, you know, he, he had never made above minimum wage. Uh, he was homeless, didn't have a car, didn't have a place to live. He was placed on a job site. And in two weeks, you know, he was bringing home almost $1,600 a week. So, you know, that's, 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 that's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the program's broken up. We do a lot of the soft skills at the beginning. Then we do the, uh, the building trades core curriculum where like I, you know, jokingly tell a lot of the students, you're not going to be able to wire a house or frame a wall, but you'll know how, which end is up on a hammer. You'll know what a screwdriver mm -hmm. is. You know, you'll know how to cut a piece of insulation. You'll know some basic hand tools and some stuff to get you through and give you enough so that you can pick the trade that you think that you would be uh, good for. And then are the participants paid? $250 a week. Is that right? Or yeah. So the, okay. yeah. So the participants get a stipend. So that's, you know, one of the things that we were very adamant about when we set up the program is, um, you know, the classes are Monday through Thursday, um, 5 PM to 8 PM. So even today with COVID, we're not getting a lot of unemployed people. We're getting a lot of underemployed people. So if you have 
uh, somebody who's working during the day or maybe going to school during the day, they're already kind of out of pocket for childcare and whatever needs that they have. So we give them a stipend or kind of like a performance bonus, you would say, like attendance and stuff. And they get that every week. And that's so they can help, you know, with transportation costs, providing for, you know, childcare, any of that stuff. And we, we set up the classes like that because most of our unions, I know not everybody, you know, the laborers, the operating engineers, um, I think the sprinkler fitters, uh, and the insulators, my home local union, you know, we do a lot of our classes on the weekend, but most people are during the week after work. And that's why we set it up like that, because we wanted these building futures kids to realize, you know, you go to work during the day, you come in, you go to school in the evening, you have the weekends off with your family and to kind of recuperate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as long as you get your classroom hours in and your work hours, you advance to the next uh, you advance to the next level. And is there a cost to them at all? No, that's the best thing about the program. Just like our apprenticeship programs, it's tuition free. And also with the stipend, you know, each person that graduates, we give them a uh, a, a nice uh, tool set, starter tool set to start them off with the first year. So that way they're not out of pocket anything. We help them if there's an issue with initiation fees or union dues or anything like that. We also, you know, we give them some cold weather gear so they can work when it's when it's cold. Um, boots, we give them safety equipment and boots, hard hats, all that stuff. You mentioned the OSHA safety training and safety is so important to us. We talk about it on this podcast guest frequently um, but what other kind of safety programs does building futures uh, teach them so the OSHA is the biggest one uh, we also do a lot with awareness uh, you know we don't get too much into lead and asbestos uh, but we let them know you know to be aware of their surroundings when it comes to that uh, we go a lot into the safety gear and stuff one of the things we're talking about lesson learned uh, we're going to try to build into the curriculum for our cohorts this year a little bit more when it comes to equipment and also um, you know lift training and stuff like that because obviously so many jobs that you you know it seems like nobody works off a ladder anymore everybody's on a lift so you know lift training and lift safety and awareness that's that's a huge thing so we're going to try to incorporate that more into the curriculum this year with the next cohort uh coming up building futures and exoskeletons are next too right yes yes exactly those are next they're coming right down the pipe and then i had read something too about the columbus innovation district is this program a part of that This program's not a part of it, but the greatest thing about this program is that the opportunities to place people throughout Columbus and Central Ohio are immense. So, you know, we have conversations with general contractors and contractors that are building Cruz Stadium, the Hilton Hotel, the Innovation District, which is west part of – West part of campus, you know, we had a great conversation with Jay Casey from Ohio State the other day. I think right now, like steel, holes, buildings, shovels in the ground, I think there's about three and a half billion dollars worth of construction work going on at Ohio State right now. So that's that's huge. Um, You know, all the data center work that we have, you know, Facebook, uh, Google, Amazon, you know, it's it's amazing. Another announcement just came out this week about a large data center being built across from side of downs on the south side, three hundred million dollars. So and that doesn't even include all the educational office, retail, commercial and also logistics, the stuff going on out in West Jeff at the industrial park, the stuff going on at Rittenbacker. So, you know, we're very lucky to be here in Columbus and Central Ohio where there's a ton of work and there's a ton of growth and there's a lot going on. So the opportunities to place a lot of these people are hugely immense. Yeah, I drove by Ohio State the other day and I was amazed at the number of cranes just in the Ohio State area. There's just I did, like a half a dozen. 
I told Jay Casey the other day, I come down 315 South every morning on my way to work. And one day I'm driving through and nothing. The next day I drive through and there's 12 cranes in the air and it's like amazing. So, and it's just going to keep going. It seems like everybody I talk to architects, design, uh, you know, people I talk to in the hospital systems, you know, Jay Casey at Ohio state, uh, people I talk to in the city and the county. We're doing an outreach event today at five o'clock uh, with Mayor Andrew Ginther. They're hoping to announce any day the new municipal courthouse downtown, which will be anywhere from 150 to 200 million dollars. So everybody I talk to says 2021 is going to be better than 2020. 2022 and 2023 and 2024 should be similar to 21. And then we'll see from there. So that's that's a good thing for Columbus and Central Ohio. Yeah. You've mentioned a number of trades throughout our conversation here, but how many trades really are associated with the program? So all 14 trades are involved. You know, we have some that maybe don't take as many people as the others, but again, it all comes down to the the trade that the individual is interested in, uh, their adaptability to that trade and, and the availability for that trade right at that point. I love that the kids come in, have this great idea of what they want to do. And then at the end, they were like, they're like, wow. I thought it was this, but that really doesn't appeal to me anymore. I think I would like to try that. Right. And, and it, that's, that's the, it's, it's a funnel or a filter of all the programs and these kids come through and then they're, they're placed with the one that's the best for them. I saw on the website, a number of contractors are involved. How important is their involvement and in, in about how many contractors are really involved with the program? So it's hard to tell because it depends based on the need for people, but we do have a lot of contractors that are very, uh, involved, very interested in the program. Of course, you know, diversity and inclusion and is a huge part of everything that the city and the county are currently doing. You know, so you'll have contractors that are doing work for the city or the county or maybe doing work for a private customer. And maybe there's some motivational goals built in uh, to the contracts and, and they'll come to us. Well, it sounds like a great program. And we hope by you being on our podcast, we've helped spread the word and it, you know to garner more interest in it and get some more people in there and get them trained. Well, I hope so as well. And I truly do appreciate, um, you know, you giving me the opportunity uh, to be on here and discuss the program. And like I said, you know, one more shameless plug, anybody wants to learn anything about the building trades, building futures or driving futures, you can go to our website at columbusconstruction.org, columbusconstruction.org. You can also follow us on Facebook or Twitter at build central OH that's build central And we'll make sure we put all those links in the notes to the show. There's a proposal for raising the minimum wage. Would that, you know, benefit your program or would that be somewhat of a hindrance because, you know, maybe they don't see the, the, uh, you know, the benefit of going to a trade that provides a good salary because they can just, you know, go to McDonald's and flip burgers for the same amount of money. So everybody, I'm going to answer your question, but I think everybody's when you hear debate about raising the minimum wage, I think a lot of people make their decisions not based on what they read or study, but based on their life experiences. I I think that raising the minimum wage would be a great thing. I think that no matter what somebody's doing, if they're making sandwiches at Subway or if they're digging holes with a shovel or if they're running a crane, I think they should be paid correctly for their time, no matter what they're doing. A living wage. Absolutely. Now, with that being said, and I had this conversation when I first took this job seven years ago, and I'm not going to mention the contractor because you see their cranes all over town and they're a very prevalent general contractor here and across the country. You know, there, there was a guy that ran the branch of this company uh, here, and he had made a comment in the paper about the need uh, for people. 
And I said, there's not a shortage of people. There's a shortage of skilled people. There's a difference. Mm -hmm. And I called him to comment to him directly on his article because I was going to write a letter to the editor about it. And I thought, well, I'll call him directly because that's that's not cool to do that. And amazingly, he answered my call. And not only that, he wanted to meet. So we met and we started talking about these shortages in labor. And I said, you know, I said, the biggest issue is the shortage in labor is your fault. He's like, how is it my fault? And I said, it's your fault. Because people like you and the groups that you belong to and the general contractors around this city and around this county have beaten each other's brains in, driving prices down on projects, which in turn has driven wages down. Mm -hmm. I said, so if I'm a kid and I graduate from a high school in Columbus, am I going to go clean up your job site or work on your job site in the heat and the cold eight and 10 hours a day for 11 or 12 bucks an hour and get screamed at all day long? Or am I going to walk right next door to Wendy's or McDonald's and make 13 bucks an hour? And yeah, I don't have a lot of ceiling for growth, but it's an easy job. I'm, I'm indoors. I'm out of the elements. I'm making a decent living, you know, and, and I guess, you know, to answer your question, personally, I'm for raising the minimum wage. I think everybody should, like I said, a, a living wage. My only concern is, is again, if, if it's raised to 15 or 16 bucks an hour, I think there will be some people that, you know, won't be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel and be like, wow, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'll do this. And 15 years from now, I'll be making a little more than that, as opposed to if I get into the building trades in 15 years, I'll be making six figures. I like to go back too to what you said. It's not a shortage of workers. It's a shortage of skilled workers. And that right there is an argument why belonging to a union and hiring union contractors is is a good thing you know we can help with that we can send you all that skilled labor you need absolutely we just completed a job at the linden rec center that was under a community benefit agreement and the gentleman overseeing that job there for recreations and parks in city of columbus great guy engineer black and white great guy before that project started he basically told me i'm not a fan of community benefit agreements he goes i feel like they tie my hands to who i can hire and who i can't not a fan project was done. He took me out to breakfast and he apologized. He said, you know what? He says, this was the best job that I've had for the city of Columbus. Mm -hmm. The best job. I had the safest people, the best trained people. The job came in under budget. He goes, it came in four weeks late, but that wasn't your fault. Every call for manpower came in on time. He goes, four weeks wasn't your fault. That was COVID. That was this, that was, um, um, uh, material issues because we couldn't get material at certain times because of COVID. He goes, but this was the best, smoothest job I've ever been a part of. And he's like, I'm going to be an advocate for more of these community benefit agreements with the Marin administration. Dorsey, I think uh, you've got a great program there and we appreciate your insight and in telling us all about it. And uh, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dorsey. I got you. Thank you guys so much and have a good rest of the day. And thanks. That was great. I always enjoy hearing about the programs that can help those people that may not have the same opportunities as others. I agree, Matt, and it makes me feel good that we're able to bring these stories and these programs to our listeners, our communities, and our members. We want to hear what you think. Send us an email at talk at downwiththedig.com. We thank you so much for listening to our podcast. And if you haven't subscribed to us yet, please do that for us. It helps us out. It helps us to know that you're listening and, and that we're getting this message out there. Thanks for joining us today. Be safe out there. Well, now you're up to date. Views and comments expressed on this podcast may not be those of Ohio Labor's District Council or LIUNA. Thanks for listening and let's be careful out there.